Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jory Davis. Uh, and our special guest today is Daquan Jones, professional basketball player. Uh, what's going on, man? No, I'm, I'm doing well, all things considered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel you. Uh, so you recently, obviously, were playing in Trieste in Italy, where we both uh, were in Italy. You obviously chose to exit quickly with all this coronavirus pandemic going on. So uh, how's that been, man? Uh, it's been an experience. I mean, it's kind of um, it's kind of crazy. It's almost like traveling back in time. I mean, you can attest to this, like seeing and experiencing it in Italy and how the public, the general public, um, the officials, the citizens of the Italian citizens dealt with it, and then traveling back to America. So it's kind of seeing what the future would be like as far as quarantine, as far as uh, social distancing and everything else. But, I mean, it's been it's been an experience. It's been pretty positive, um, so to speak, just having my family here, uh, just being with my family. And it's been a ride, but it, it's yeah. been a go. When President Trump started the travel ban was what did it for me. It was it was a personal choice for me. Uh, when, I, when me and my wife got married, I made a vow to her in front of her family, my family, and God that I would put her first. Her her livelihood and her protection would be my first priority. And the same for my daughter, you know, who was born uh, eight months ago. So I knew individually I would be fine. But my thing was making sure, you know, my, my family was okay. Because my wife, she's she's not the toughest. Um, if she hears a bump in the night, you know, she's ready to send the cavalry. So... Um, I think that was that was my main objective and my main focus with making the decision. Cool, cool. I mean, definitely a difference between having a family and if you're single, you know, and you can mm-hmm. kind of do what you want, go as you please. Um, you know, as I said, it, it just felt like yesterday I was talking to you and you were like, yeah, we cool out here. Like, if you need to, you can come up to Tristy. I, you know, you're more than welcome to come to the house. And then next thing you know, he's like, nah, I'm out. I'm I'm gone. <laughs> I can see I can see the the escalation of emotion like in my wife's voice. You know, one day it was like, oh, you know, how is it? And then you know she's like, oh, okay, they're getting cases here. And then it went from that to you know her almost being frantic. Funny thing is, she was actually scheduled to come back April. I'm mean, not April, March first with my daughter. They went home. We had uh, like a buy and extended. We I think we didn't play for a month, and so you know they went home to see our family and kind of get a little taste of home to come right back. And before they before they came back, that's when the numbers you know spiked in Italy. And I we made a conscious decision. I was like, yeah, it probably isn't the best decision for you guys to come back. They ended up not coming back. I had to ship four or five bags home because she had left all her clothes, all my my daughter's clothes, so. Wow. So my process, of course, you know, my wife, we, we communicated, and I kind of reached out to my agent about what he would, what he suggests. And he, I mean, Jory, you know how it is. Agents have mastered the art of playing both sides, like straddling the fence. Right. So it's kind of like I, I know and understand it's the agent's job to be like, well, Give me the pros and the cons. If you do this, this could happen. If you do this, you run the risk of this happening. So, you know, my agent kind of straddled the fence. Um, luckily, my general manager, uh, Marco, he, he's, he had been transparent with me the whole season and he was just like, look, 
you leave, there's a chance that the country we recover, we get over this and you may have to come back. And I'm like, you know, cool. And, and, and I reiterated that when I communicated with the team, I'm like, I have no problem with, um, when things die down, fulfilling my obligation, my, con- my contractual obligation. Like, I ain't got no problem with that. But at this particular moment, it doesn't serve me sitting here, you know, not really being in limbo and it being like a lack of communication. And I, I text my agent the, the morning of, and I was like, look, I'm going home, bro. Right. Did you, did you like book everything yourself? Cause you know, at some point you kind of have to make your own move because the agent will continue to straddle the fence and have you sit throughout the process. Like, did you, you know, book everything yourself? Like, how did that work? Like, was the team willing to help you go home or was it kind of like, okay, if you go home, you have to do it on your own terms? No, nah, I mean, I, I booked everything on my own, you know, on my own, but that was the one thing about like the team was, was very accommodating in the sense of they provided me a, a ride to the airport, which was 45 minutes away. You know what I mean? They gave me the <clears throat> the police order for, you know, if we got stopped, they provided that. And it was like a car service. So, you know, I, you know, they were very accommodating in that sense, but I, I definitely booked my own ticket. Cool. My thing was at the beginning, I wasn't, I truthfully wasn't as scared or nervous about it. You know, I kind of was chilling. Like I just wanted, I was really happy to get out of here and travel. I was like, okay, perfect season about to be on pause. I'm right, gonna, right. You know, move around a little bit. Then, you know, I realized it was really, this was something to, to pay attention to. And then heading home, and I wasn't sure if I was a carrier because that was one of the biggest things. They said you could be carrying and not show symptoms. So uh, it was like, am I going to take this home to my family? Um, and, you know, everyone's situation with their teams is different. You know, living and how the club is treating you during this time, um, it, it differs for each person, each athlete. So um, everybody has to make the best decision based on their own current situation. So you made a vow to your wife, obviously, um, Allison has been with you since college days, correct? You know, you guys been together for a while. Yeah, yeah, we've, uh, you know, I, I, I met her in 2008, and I haven't been able to get rid of her since. Yeah. I'm just joking. <laughs> but definitely the other way around. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess it's kind of like how is it taking that journey with your wife? Because it's like she's been there through the whole journey of your, your playing career and, and how is it like, you know, how does that play out? Like when did you guys decide, you know, she would start coming overseas with you? Like, uh, okay. So I played in Italy, France, Japan, China, and Israel, a lot of countries. I mean, I've been uh, very blessed and fortunate to have, you know, walked and ventured into a lot of different corners of the world and even, you know, playing in Euro Cup and Champions League, still getting to experience other countries, Spain, Greece, Bulgaria. We played in Bulgaria, you know, so I, I've been very fortunate in, in that regard. You know, some people will find that as a, a negative. You enjoy it. You embrace that. You've been moving around a lot, those different countries and, and experiencing you know, kind of that, that shift from Israel to Italy, you know, it's totally different cultures. You've enjoyed that process. For sure. Enjoy. I, th- I think you can, you can attest to this. That's the advice I give younger, younger athletes coming in and, and who are just now venturing into this journey that wherever you are, try to submerge yourself in the culture of where, where you're playing. 
I think that makes the transition a lot easier. And it also eases that sense of homesickness. I tend to see the guys that struggle the most overseas are the guys who still try to hold on to remnants of home. They get to Italy and they're like, oh, you know, you, you, you've had teammates that are closed minded in a sense. Like, it's like, yo, try to, try to, try to Italian pizza. It's like, oh, no, if it's not Pizza Hut, I don't want it. Right. And like, no, you have to understand that pizza originated here. Right. So, I mean, you know, the overseas experience, like you said, I feel is that's one of the keys, immersing yourself in the culture and, and embracing mm-hmm. that. Um, and I think, you know, more and more people, more players that are coming out speaking their truth about overseas. They're trying to tell people, like, that's what you have to do to enjoy this process is more than basketball. You know, your journey with your wife, I think, is, you know, that's respectable. So, And I think it's important for a lot of the younger, you know, a lot of younger guys to see that it's okay to be a, a, a respectable husband or, 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 you know, just someone who takes – relationship seriously so she came and joined me uh my third year because my first year overseas was my third career year um my first year was in Cantu and it was it man I tell people all the time it's one of the most memorable times of our lives because it's like we experienced this whole thing like together I remember I would always say we would just be driving and I'm like yo can you believe like we live in Italy you know, like we we literally the places that we used to see in school and the Duomo and and you know Milan Fashion Week, like we experienced it. Right. So it was it was it was great. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely cool that you had that experience. You know, than those of us that single. You know, you kind of have, as I call it, the overseas relationships, the hit or miss relationships, because you. You know, you, you, you want somebody to experience it with. You don't want to just be out there on your own. Whereas, you know, you guys get to continuously experience it with each other, which which mm-hmm. you grow closer together, you know, year after year through where you've gone. So it's definitely a different story. You know, you don't hear that for as sure. much, you know, especially, like I said, you guys been down with each other for a long time, not just recently or after your, you know, rise, you know, it's been from the start. So, Again, that had to have been, you know, amazing. And it's still going. Of course, you're still playing. So For sure. Um, I always tell, uh, like, my niece, she's uh, going into her junior year of uh, of college. And I and she's expressing me that she wants to play overseas. And I, I explain to her, I say, look, this is the scenario I always give her. I say, can you, do you have the mental strength to live Let's say Russia. Let's say you go to Russia. Do you have a mental strength to wake up one morning after two or three nights? The heat is broken in your apartment. Uh, you, your, your hot water is off, or you know something is going on back home with your mom, with 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 your friends, whatever. Do you still have the mental strength and mental capacity to go out and get thirty points and get your team a win? And I think it's so many variables that go into that go into being productive overseas that a lot of people don't really calculate it in. And being away from family, uh, the vulnerability of knowing that this really isn't your home, so to speak, you know. And also there are so many other different uh, variables that go into it as far as your relationship with your teammates. 
Um, it's more so, you know, how do you manage those friendships and relationships or you play for a club that, um, where the fans, you know, the club isn't doing as well as the fans think they should. And, you know, you get harassed online or, you know, you're in the grocery store and a fan go walks up to you and is shouting at you in another language. You know, do you have the, do you have the mental strength to, to, to be, still be productive, you know, in, in those elements? I mean, it's definitely a tough transition. And I think, again, like, who's in those, those rookie years? Like, of course, she's fortunate to have you right there, someone she knows she can talk to. Not everyone really has someone to talk to about the transition. And nor, yet alone, do people really tell the truth? You know, you already know, you know, people, overseas for a while and you talk to them, you ask them how it is. Oh, you did it. And they're like, yeah, it's cool. I'm cool. But really they're not telling mm-hmm. the truth. And that's one of the problems. But so yeah. another example, you know, even I tell her all the time, when you talking to someone who plays overseas, you ask somebody, you know, Hey, how, how, how much, how much do you sign for? <laughs> and it, and you already know how it is. If they tell you a hundred thousand, they sign for 50. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's never, it's a fraction of whatever they tell you they sign for. But it's that uh, uh, persona that we want to give off, right? Like, we want the people to believe that we are living this. But in reality, like, I, I'm telling my niece, like, your first job, you didn't go, you know, you didn't go to UConn. You didn't go to uh, uh, Tennessee or South Carolina. So your first job is going to be an upward trajectory. Right. So, you know, it, it, it's it's that aspect of it, too. And uh, in the process of teaching her even like financial literacy, like if you can't if you mismanage fifty dollars, you're going to mismanage fifty thousand. Right. It don't matter. So, how much. You know. <laughs> right. So it's just about, you know, in your platform. It's just about getting that information out and already reaching them you know, early. Right. So. I know we were kind of hitting up on your family, your wife, and of course she's been there. She's she's been constantly overseas. I recall when I was in Switzerland, you guys were in Cantu your first year. We connected, right. came to a couple of your games. You guys came to a couple of mine. Um, has there been a time? That's that- right. Yeah. All about that. Yeah. I remember. I- no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to check that game. Remember, I got the top score and check that game, y'all. And they yeah, were yeah, yeah. Because I remember, I was like, why, is it, why is she wearing a top score jersey? And I'm like, I would hate that because then they know who to close out on. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's I literally a target on your back when they put <laughs> that on there. Literally, right. So, um, uh, was there ever a time that you did have? that loneliness or you did have, you know, just those that down period overseas. Like, I mean, of course I know it has to be amazing that she's been there and you have that person mm-hmm. at all, but was there ever that period where you had those feelings and you know, how were you able to kind of bounce back from it? Like I said, the first year in Cantu was, was, was an experience, you know, adapting to the European game she was she was there with me in Cantu, and uh, I think the hardest thing I had to do there was one adapting to the spacing of the European game, but also managing relationships with the coaches. 
I mean, Jerry, you can speak to this. In America, the player is is seen as first priority, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Europe, it's almost like you're a soldier in the military. Right. So realistically, yeah, like realistically, me and the coach butt heads because it's like a battle of wills and a battle of egos. It was a fall far from grace. I went from the NBA to being yelled at by a guy who don't even speak English. <laughs> and so my ego had to take a back seat. And I think that year is when I learned how to manage uh, relationships with my teammates. Now, I think the lowest I've ever been was my year in France. And my wife, she stayed to get her to finish getting her master's degree. And she was doing her internship. She has a, a, a master's in marriage and family therapy. And that whole year, you know, I was by myself. And I think, you know, I dealt with, like, depression. I dealt with uh, loneliness. You know, a lot of times when you're alone, that isolation forces you to look inward. And it's you peeling back layers and things that you buried years ago that are just now surfacing. And so I dealt with that. And it also, like, it shed a, it taught me, I think I learned the most about myself with that experience because it taught me to be, in a sense, like, more compassionate towards players overseas. Sure, you can speak to this. You know, you see those players that go out all the time, that drink constantly, that, you know, engage in other, like, self-destructive behaviors. I found myself kind of like falling into that category drinking oh okay i'm gonna drink after the game turned into oh i'm gonna drink monday afternoon to, like, yo i'm yo wait I'm, I'm drinking every day bro like you know so i think it, it taught me to be more uh to show more empathy towards you know people that or players that maybe don't have the mental capacity or the mental strength to kind of deal with that isolation or that loneliness. But a lot of good things came from me that season too. It taught me to expand uh, my imagination, you know, kind of taught me to get serious about my education because in times like these is when you rely on, you know, what you know. Right. But I'm not bad. I'm, I'm, I know I'm rambling, but just to give you, the inverse of that, one of my best years statistically was uh, two years ago in Fort Wayne, where I got the uh, most most improved player award. I got player of the month. I won the uh, G League dunk contest. And statistically, it looked like I'm having a pretty good year. Mm-hmm. But I still battled with not getting a call up from the NBA. Right. And so – you know, it's so I played like angry mm-hmm. and it's synonymous with like fire, like fire can cook your food or it can cook you. Right. I think that year, like I said, statistically, I was doing well, but like mentally I felt discouraged because I wasn't getting the result that I felt like I deserved at the time. And so that year kind of taught me to focus on the process and just not really worry about what I deserve and just put the work in. I think I realized it when I just completely shut down. You know, Jory can tell you I'm 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 considered a, a social person, but I just saw myself not really just 
completely like being in a shell. Like I, I think it was just like little things I was noticing. Like I would let the shutters down in my apartment and my shutters hadn't been open in a month and a half, two months. I'm like, man, I'm not getting no sunlight. You know, I'm, 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 I'm pale looking, uh, you know, but it also, (laughs) it also like made me be like self-reflective in a sense of, you know, I started looking at a lot of, uh, things that I did wrong in the past and I'm like, man, I shouldn't have done that. Or I started like, oh, if, if this would have happened this way, you know, I, I kind of, internalized it I allowed myself to feel how I felt but the way I got out of it was I just realized that it was temporary I knew that you know eventually I would be home with the people that I love I knew eventually that I wouldn't I wouldn't feel this sense of like you know depression or sadness I've uh I just worked through it I put that passion into into basketball into you know, I, I stayed at the gym an extra hour or, you know, I got to the gym an hour earlier and I just worked through it physically. And, you know, I think mentally it, I kind of just dug myself up out of it. This, I think this particular moment, this quarantine has taught me so much about myself, right? Um, I, I'm, if you watch me play any given day, <clears throat> I can, Jordan can, can attest to this. Like if you look at my highlights, I'm ultra aggressive on the court. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to dunk on you. I'm going to yell in your face. I'm going to throw you down. You know what I mean? I'm going to block your shot, whatever the case is. But at the same time, off the court, I'm the complete opposite. And so what I'm learning now in my journey is that my whole life, basketball has been my therapy. Mm. I never, outside of basketball, I've never, you know, been in any trouble despite where I'm, despite my environment coming from an impoverished area I've never been in trouble with the law I've never you know really gotten into fights or anything I never really did anything self-destructive and basketball has just always been my outlet I think that that's why like it, it regardless of how I was feeling like it never really affected my game so to speak yeah it's almost as if it's kind of I mean, it's a good thing in the moment, but it's kind of covering up some things you need to deal with when you no longer have basketball as your therapy, I guess. For I sure. think I, yeah, definitely. You know, I had recently a teammate who was a rookie, like you said, like at, at some point you go into a shell because you don't know how to deal with these emotions that you feel overseas. I mean, it's, it's different. It is different. You isolate, like mm-hmm. you said, you isolate it. You know, you, you on your own. Um, then on top of that, depending on the environment of the team and your coaches, you know, it's a business, you know, sometimes you get lucky, you get great teammates and good people and it's a great culture, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's a business and you going home, clocking out out the office and you, there you go, you by yourself. So, um, shutting down is definitely something I've seen for, from a couple of people. I've seen players literally eat a bowl of gold, come from practice, eat cereal and that's what they eat. And I'm like, Thanks, sis, you're not going to eat. Like, and they still mm-hmm. some kind of way playing through that. Like, it makes no sense, you know, over time. Of course, now I realize that that it was depression. It was like people were struggling, you know. Um, yeah. But it's definitely, it's real. It's real. I mean, it's, it's something that, you know, as athletes, we kind of got to figure out how to bounce back from. But you touched upon 
obviously in Fort Wayne. Uh, of course, I remember that year too because you know I played at IU. So during the summers, yeah. I um, would still go back to Indiana. I remember you were with the team during that year. Um, you were always close. You were always like right there for the league. You know, you mm. talked about it how you you kind of felt like that year you weren't getting what you rightfully deserved. You know, how let's let's talk about those emotions. Like those emotions, you know. Of course, I felt them. I mean, I wasn't always close. But I also felt, you know, drafted and feeling like I just wanted that chance because I felt I could make it happen. Like, you know, what was going through your mind? Was it the agents? Was it like, man, this is politics? You know, how did you come to terms with that and finally say, all right, I'm going to walk. I'm just going to let it be. You know, I, I think it all goes back to what I was saying, like, with basketball and, and my approach towards the game. If you if you come to the game and you watch from afar and you don't really know me, my personality or certain things you can see in me may be abrasive. You know what I mean? I don't I don't speak. My vernacular isn't you know uh, uh, it's not. I, I don't speak proper English all the time. You know I got the tattoos. My haircut may not be traditional and so with all of these things and people already having a perception of me I think that kind of doesn't work in my favor and just just piggybacking off of off of that you know I I think that has been my biggest thing and my mindset going into it again fire can cook you it can cook you food or it can cook you and I just always learned how to use that to fuel me to keep going keep going keep going keep going and that that was one of the biggest things that got me when I was in France you know looking back on my rookie year I started 30 games my rookie year undrafted started 30 games you know was playing fairly well average nine and seven in those 30 games I played in 68 of them and a lot of people believe that I deserve to get another year, you know, in the league. And as I've grown and matured, I realized that the world, people don't give a damn what you deserve. Mm -hmm. It's about what you produce. And I think my mindset, I learned that from a spiritual aspect that you're right where you're supposed to be in life at this particular moment. And my thing was that I was, I, I, I went from, uh, a sense of entitlement to a sense of appreciation. Like, yeah, if you add purpose to your journey, you know, you can get through anything. And that was always my mindset. So I just went from being angry to appreciative with just that mindset. Cool. I mean, again, for me, uh, I went through that same thing, you know, instead of appreciating my journey, appreciating, you know, where I was in the very beginning of my pro career was always like, you know, like, and I think a lot of us are guilty of it. Like, man, look, like, I just killed her. And she, like, she getting tryouts. She in the league. Like, this makes no right. sense, you know, or, you know, man, right. Like, right. you know, I did this, 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 and that didn't happen. And, um, you know, and I, and I also fought with, you know, feeling like, dang, Jory, you gave up, you know, I had to feel, I had to mm -hmm. fight with that too. Like, are you giving up? You giving up. Like, you're not accepting it. Are you giving up? And then, you know, I realized like, nah, you just appreciative of the journey you on. Like, this is where you right. at. This is this is still going. You know where it is. So, 
I think, yeah, it's definitely, I think that's also in life, man. You know, just appreciate what you have. You go from there. Yeah. And, and I mean, looking at it from a, from a different perspective, like everyone that I've talked to have always, even growing up, like people have always told me like, bro, you're, you're more than just an athlete. This conversation can, can attest to that. Like we're more than athletes. So who's to say that our purpose or our contribution you know, here on earth is, it might not be basketball. It may be, you know, in a different, in a different lane, in a different avenue. But again, until we appreciate, you know, our journey and where we are, we won't really see it for what it is. I look at it like, again, speaking on, on me being from, from an impoverished neighborhood and environment, I just had a friend who came home from prison. You know, he went to prison when we were in, I want to say 11th grade and he just came home, you know, a month ago. I think looking at our lives, you know, it's like an inverse, but we, we chose two different paths. It's a matter of perspective of what success really is. You know what I mean? When I was a kid, I I never wanted to live in a, you know, a 30 bedroom house. I wanted a nice house with a family. When we take a step back and, and, and look at things from that perspective, like we'll see that winning or success is just, we all have different perceptions of it. Right. In a sense, you got what you was, what you dreamed about, you know? <laughs> so. It is. Right. It is. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I definitely know firsthand. Uh, again, when I first came overseas, when I moved to England for in high school, my freshman year of high school, I moved to England. And of course, at the time, straight out of New Orleans, I wanted no piece of England, the all-girls school pop, <laughs> you know, drinking, right. you know, little teas and stuff. But, um, you know, looking forward, my parents, you know, that was, I'm glad they made that decision, you know. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, in the long run, your daughter will appreciate well coming from someone else who was once a daughter strung along on the journey. Um, sure. Sure. I think it's definitely a good decision. You know, that experience, you can't, you can't, everyone doesn't get that. So. Sure. And hopefully by the time she can complain, we'll be home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the time she gets to that age where she's bossy and want to complain, we'll be at home. Definitely. My advice to the younger uh the younger people coming up is like have that intention of wanting to figure it out because the thing is if you had to re-download uh fortnite you would figure it out right. that's what i tell my niece i'm like yo if, if if it was a new if it was a new dance or a new challenge you, you would figure it out if you're on tiktok you're gonna figure that clap clap you're gonna figure that out all night you're gonna be on there trying to get it right I'm trying to tell you, I'm trying to tell you. And I think that's, that's where it starts. But I tell, you know, my advice, I always tell them vital information, especially something as far as financial literacy or taxes. You only got to learn it once. Right. Cause I'm telling you, you only, it's on, all you got to do is get audited once. Or all you got to do is get hit one time with the, oh yeah, yeah, you owe state taxes too. And it's like, oh, so. Seeing best interest is to learn it now. Yeah. You know, right now, uh, I always, the wind always blows me in different directions, but you know, some, like my wife is, is, 
she graduated. Like I said, she knows everything pretty much. <laughs> okay. So, she was a double major in, in public relations um, in college, public relations and like three other things. So me and her, we had that conversation all the time and she gave me the best advice. And she told me that, you know, I, I was like, yo, babe, like what's next for me? What's next for me? And the best advice she gave me was let people tell you what's next. Let people tell you what you're good at, what you contribute, and then go from there. And I've I've always flirted with the idea of coaching. Recently, a family friend of mine just got the head coaching job at the college 15 miles away from home. And, you know, I, I wanted to go to a practice just to show some support, and I ended up actually almost leaving practice. And... <laughs> You know, the, the 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 joy I got coming home and, and talking to her about it and, and sharing my experience. And she saw my light in my my eyes and my spirit light up. And she was like, I don't know why you're playing. Like, you a coach. You know, I've already kind of started inquiring and kind of put the ball rolling for, for that transition. So I want to be a, a, a college basketball coach. Yeah, a lot is up in the air, you know, with the with the leagues and of course um uh my trust issues with these people in the business. Uh you know, I feel some teams they might use it to their advantage, um, to say, ah, well, mm-hmm. you know, going through a pandemic, you know, we might go bankrupt, we have to cut uh costs and then some teams truthfully due to the sponsors like women's basketball is is mostly based on sponsorships like we don't we don't have that many fans Mm -hmm. you know in in italy to make money off of that like most of our payment comes from the sponsor money so depending on the teams and how solid their sponsors are you know it can definitely i know some players not even getting march i know some players was getting february cut which is crazy um you know it's it's, it's, it's a lot that's up in the air. A lot of players trying to figure out what they're going to do, especially with the market. You just don't know. You don't know what could happen. For sure. And I, I mean, I tweeted something earlier when everything, because a lot of players had some grievances with their departure. And, you know, a lot of teams weren't as accommodating or weren't as understanding as my team. They kind of uh, had this underlying yeah, you could leave, but, you know, type thing going on. And I tweeted something earlier, and I was just like, we as a collective, like as players, need to be very mindful of how teams are handling and managing players during this particular time. And I feel like those those teams should get clear consideration by the top players when the market opens up. You know what I mean? And I think with that mindset – and if we push that narrative, like, it'll force a lot of teams to do the right thing. It'll force, put a lot of pressure on, you know, those organizations, like you said, that are using this thing to, to take advantage of people. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the biggest downfall because uh, there's a lot of stories out there. There are a lot of people going through things with their agents, too, and that's the problem. The stories aren't out there. Mm-hmm. It's not out there. You know, we don't know as a collective within the community which teams are doing wrong or which, you know, people within the business are, are, you know, managing, you know, things in a ill-advised way. So, um, 
you know, again, that's that's what the whole mission of, you know, Weevolve and what I'm trying to create is, is so we know, you know, it's all about the knowledge. Yeah. Um, but definitely I, I saw that tweet and I also saw, you know, a lot of the guys were commenting about, you know, this is the time to, to have things in order, you know, like it makes you think about having your stuff in order so you don't have to, you know, sit over there because you're trying to get the check. You know, I had a guy, I talked to one, one guy recently, you know, he was trying to indirectly preach to me <laughs> about, you know, you can't be over here, you know, just cause you need the check. And it's like, nah, nah, my situation is not that, you know, I'm, I'm good. I'm, right. but in a sense, He's right. He's right. Like there are some people that really want to go home, but because they waiting on the check, they don't go home because they, you know, and they, sure. they they're scared and they don't want to be here or wherever they are. But they they like, well, I got to stay for a check. And, you know, their agents are telling you, you got to stay for a check. So it does put a lot into perspective, you know, as you said, you know, and it's it, it kind of makes you think. And for some people, they're going to come out. I think with a clear idea of where they saying, you know, with basketball and just life in general. Absolutely. I, I think this this will definitely force a shift in in, in consciousness. Um and again, like just like life, man, everything is subjective. Like my situation is different from a lot of other guys' situations. And to the person that is criticizing or condemning or, you know, is opinionated uh, about people's personal choices, like okay, you you can't have that assumption that everybody is like again. My, my example, my my situation, for example, I looked at flights Wednesday night. I'm talking to my wife, like yo, I, I don't know, like we'll see what happens tomorrow. I wake up the next morning, my flight one way for four hundred dollars jumped up to twenty two hundred because of the flight ban. Because airlines price gouged because they knew that, you know, they were going to take a big hit with canceling flights to the United States. So they wanted to make up and recoup for that loss beforehand. So now you, you, you're dealing with a player who, who is living paycheck to paycheck. Like they can't afford a a $2,200 flight back home. You know what I mean? So now. Instead of condemning, I'm thinking in my head, like, how can we as players who did, quote, unquote, plan for or whatever, like, how can we help those players? Right. And I think with a player union, you know, we can have some of those issues resolved. If not, you know, uh, uh, we can have them broadcasted, if not resolved in that sense. Right. Right. Definitely. I mean – we could talk about that all day about the need right. of players and the differences between, you know, men, women, Euro Cup, regular league. Um, but in a sense, in general, the, the, the main topic is always that collective unit of being together mm-hmm. and coming around that common goal to, to help elevate everybody, you know, within For the sure. So at the end of the day, when you're, when you come home in the summer, People don't know that you played for Real Madrid or you played in Spain or you played in Israel or Turkey or in America, especially overseas is overseas. Right. And again, when your career is over with, like, what are you going to have to show for? My daughter is not going to care that I played for whoever. Right. Yeah. It's a different, it's a different area. It's a different, different time. 
Yeah. I mean, I always, I always said, and everybody who's listening knows this, that I've spoken to, I always say, have a plan. Like, it's all about your plan. And once you know your goals and you make a plan, now you can decipher what decision is right for you and what's not good for you, you know. Uh, because overseas, you know, is also a little, it's like chess kind of, you know, like you see players that go get, you know, they're blessed and they get that one deal <clears throat> with a big team and then shoot, they set because they in that, that discussion, they might not do nothing great, great, but because you hit that one target, now you set, you can ride that out the rest of your career, you know, so it's, you know, it's like just having a plan and, and sticking, trying to stick to that plan as much as possible. And of course it helps if you have someone um, in partnership with you, helping you to manage your career as in your agent um, to kind of figure out that plan and y'all go at it together. But yeah, you know, it's definitely, you know, I mean, I, I felt the same when I first, when I was a rookie in Israel, you know, my thing was I'm trying, well, first it was, I'm trying to get back to the league, what I got to do. And then it was just like I'm trying to get to the top level. Um, and at that time, I didn't, I didn't even think about money. I didn't even know what I really could make or what was out there. Yeah. So it, yeah. it was 100% all the love for the game. But um, I think it's just something you can't really. Not many players come into it thinking like, oh, let me have a plan. It's like I want to be the best. So, and you know, rightfully so. Rightfully so. Sure. You know, Daquan, I definitely appreciate you, you know, taking the time. I know it's uh family time for you. You know, it's, it's coming down to summertime. So I it's always love and appreciation when, you know, an athlete takes time away from their family to come and connect with me. Um and of course, you know, when it comes to Evolve and the amount of community, you know, activity I'm trying to create here, um, I think it's just sure. key for us to try and start to tell the authentic authentic sides of our stories a little bit more you know um, again it's, it's kind of hard when you're still in the mix of the business but um you know it's just about trying to share those parts that we don't usually hear you know not so much about what we do on the court but more so you know off the court and how we manage those things so um I appreciate you hopping on you know the show and um I wish you the best safety and you know as we go through this pandemic man and um you know, keep doing your thing and tell Allison, thank you for letting us take you away for a while. <laughs> she, she's thanking you because I'm not walking around here looking for something to do. But, um, <laughs> no, I mean, the, the, the pleasure's all mine. Um, I, I think, you know, we've all been this platform is, is, is needed, you know, it's needed now more than ever. And it, if I can be a tool, if I can be an outlet or, or help in any kind of way, you know, don't hesitate to, to reach out and, and let me know. I'm I'm here. So I appreciate you guys. Definitely, definitely. All yeah. right. <laughs>